Welcome to another edition of From the Front Lines, how real estate managers are addressing COVID-19. Our topic today is commercial lease negotiations. I'm here with Randy Erst, CEO of Exceedent, a commercial real estate advisory firm. Randy will be sharing information from his series of courses on COVID-19 and lease negotiations, available at covid19rent.com. Randy, should property managers be prepared to negotiate lease terms right now? Well, today, unfortunately, we're in an environment where a significant number of tenants are in arrears on their obligations. Uh, Even if they're not currently in arrears, they may be experiencing uh, some cash flow difficulties, some liquidity problems, and it's a prudent idea for property managers to anticipate those problems, stay in in close contact with the, the tenants, and be prepared to negotiate so that you don't have a for example, a short-term liquidity problem uh, that could evolve into uh, something much more serious. I see. And can you talk a little bit about typical negotiation styles? A typical, the two basic styles uh, are hard and soft. So for example, on the hard side, you've got uh, a negotiator that is focused, laser focused on results. Uh, to the exclusion of, for example, the relationship. So they're, they'll be positional in nature. So the, the individual will say, well, the rent is $50 a foot. Uh, the relationship will not be a consideration. On the, on the other, that's an extreme on one side. Then you've got the soft neg- negotiator who's intently focused on the relationship and is willing to make concessions in order to further the relationship uh, setting aside the substance. And so why would a property manager be willing to negotiate right now with tenants? Because right now uh, the landlords uh, need the tenants as much as the tenants need the landlords. Uh, if you know, you've got, just by way of example, a fantastic development in the Hudson Yards, uh, great tenants, you know, people like Coach, Neiman Marcus, Rolex, Yves Saint Laurent, and just top-of-the-line tenants. Uh, the landlord, the related company, uh, announced in April that 75% of the tenants had not paid the rent. So the reason property managers should be negotiating is, uh, number one, there's a significant number of tenants that are not paying the rent. Just by uh, another example, uh, Boston, uh, big, you know, the Boston group, big uh, big real estate REIT, uh, they've only collected the retail rent on 23% of the, of the tenants. Now, office may be higher, uh, residential will be, will be higher than that, uh, but, but still, you've got a, a much higher incidence than is normal of tenants not paying rent. Not only did not paying, but if you've got a tenant, again, that's experiencing a liquidity problem, you don't want that to, to grow into something much more substantial. And I think it, it's important to point out that the landlord's interests uh, are the same in many instances as the tenant's interest. The tenant interest uh, will be to be a good rent-paying uh, contract, contractually uh, fulfilling uh, tenant and the, the landlord wants that tenant there for a sustained period. That's how, that's how property owners uh, generate wealth. 
passive recurring income. So, it, it, you know, it's, it's not necessarily the most prudent thing to push a tenant, collect, you know, May, June, July rent, then leaving the, the position, uh, the tenant in the position of being insolvent on a longer term basis. So it's, it's good to open up those lines of communication, find out where the tenant is, what problems they're experiencing, uh, and see what can be done to further uh, the party's interests where they coincide. Randy, can you explain objective criteria and what role it plays in negotiations? If you, you take a look uh, at, the, at the different criteria that can be applied, a lot of them will be uh, subjective. Uh, so they'll be, you know, the landlord will have their opinion, the property manager will have their opinion. Uh, similarly, the tenant will come at it from their own perspective. Objective criteria means you're, you're selecting uh, in, in the criteria established by an independent objective third party. So just by way of example, uh, in New York, uh, the real estate board, Revney, uh, they've got a criteria for measuring property. That's one criteria. Another criteria for measuring property will be BOMA, another criteria. But in both instances, their objective criteria, independent of the property manager's opinion or the landlord's opinion or the tenant's opinion. So when you, when you bring those objective criteria to bear, you stand a very good chance of separating the people from the problem. So you don't, you know, you're, there's any number of criteria that can be applied uh, to resolve these issues. But by selecting objective criteria, not bringing it down, well, you know, in my opinion, the rent should be this. It's nice to say, well, look, here's a similar property. Here's a shopping center or an office building or an apartment or whatever the case may be. And here's the fair market value. So that's just another example of fair criteria. So it's, it's a much more equitable way to resolve a difference of opinion. So how will a property manager know if they've negotiated a prudent agreement? What should they be looking for? Three, three different criteria uh, can be helpful. Number one, does it serve uh, the party's interest? Uh, does, it, does it further the party's interest? So that presupposes that the, that the property manager prior to engaging in negotiation is going to ascertain, one, their own interests. Does it satisfy those interests? Two, the other party's interests, because you can't have uh, an effective agreement without satisfying the other party's interests. Number two, uh, is it efficient? So one reason that, that we like the, the merit-based system is it's more efficient than positional. So positional bargainers typically go in uh, and they'll, pay, you know, they might start high, and over a protracted period of time, uh, they'll begrudgingly go down incrementally. So efficient means, you know, you're you're not necessarily getting the attorneys involved uh, at potentially great expenditure. Uh, you're not taking extreme positions. So it's it's an efficient process. And number three, uh, do are you improving the relationship? Uh, unfortunately, through the years, a lot of landlord-tenant relationships are a zero-sum game where, you know, the parties uh, perhaps don't pay enough attention to the relationship, but there's, it, with an improved relationship, particularly in this environment, there's an opportunity to 
expand the pie. You're not necessarily dealing with a zero-sum game. So you don't have to go into it and say, well, if I negotiate, you know, the, the landlords and property manager might say, you know what, if we negotiate a $5 square foot concession, uh, we're losing by our $5. They're gaining $5. Uh, there's opportunities to enlarge the pie. One example of that, let's, let's take retail, would be if the, uh, the tenant were willing to forego a co-tenancy provision. With a company like JCPenney, uh, gonna, they're going to be closing hundreds of stores. That's a valuable concession for a, a property manager to extract because it means that the tenant can't go to an alternative rent uh, and, and can't terminate the lease typically after, after a one-year period of time. And for an office uh, tenant, it might be, okay, we're going to provide you with several months of abatement but uh, because you have a short-term liquidity problem, but we're going to, you know, we're going to ink you to an extension. Uh, so on a long-term basis, if the landlord and property manager calculate how much they're saving, what are, what are the costs? We're not paying a broker for a new tenant. We're not paying legal fees to negotiate a new lease. We're not paying tenant improvement allowance, which uh, even in New York are averaging in, in some of the sub-markets 14 months. Uh, we're not giving out free rent you know, the time between the lease commencement date and the rent commencement date. So we're, we're saving an awful lot of money uh, in relation to what we would be spending if, you know, we put the hammer down, maybe we collect a few months of extra rent, but what are we foregoing? And why should property managers separate the people from the problem, so to speak? They, 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 they're two different Two, two different things. If, if the, you know, the property manager has an objective uh, undertaking, undertaking the negotiation on behalf of the landlord and the tenant has an objective, by attacking the problem, uh, there's the possibility that the property manager working with the tenant can come up with a solution that satisfies both parties' interests. But if it's personalized, if it's the you know, the tenant being attacked or the property manager being attacked, the chances are much slimmer that they're going to be sit down and, and looking at it in a collaborative manner. I know it seems counterintuitive, uh, but, but real estate leases are, are so complex and go so far beyond, um, you know, the, the base rent for office, for retail, for industrial. There's an awful lot of uh, ways to expand the pie, particularly in this environment where the property manager really doesn't want the space back. This is not uh, a situation where there's a rising market and the, you know, the property manager could say, you know what, the lease that I'm looking at says $50 a square foot, uh, but the current, the current market is $60 a square foot, so I'm, I'm really not concerned about taking the space back. In fact, uh, I'd be doing my job and fulfilling my fiduciary duty if I get the space back when the when the tenant is in default of their lease obligations. So uh, by attacking the problem, you know, the problem is in many instances a short-term liquidity problem triggered by uh, social distancing and, and mandated closures by municipal uh, and, and state governments. By attacking the problem, uh, you're standing a much better chance of satisfying, uh, you know, the property manager will be satisfying his or her client's interest, the owner of the property or the investors, 
and and you know also satisfying the tenants problem because I think one one thing worth mentioning is without satisfying the other side's interests you can't satisfy your own interests you want the other party to get what they want if a tenant is experiencing a two or three month liquidity problem you want them to be able to solve that problem uh, and you also want to at the same time involve the other stakeholders because uh, obviously folks like uh, lenders franchisors guarantors uh, need to be need to be part of the process uh, and again back to back to your question Suzanne when you're you know attacking the parties particularly in multi-party negotiations uh, it, it becomes untenable and that much more difficult to satisfy uh, the interests of a broad a broad array of parties and along those lines what are some tools that property managers can use to increase value for themselves their clients and their tenants one 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 way is uh, the one that I referenced before is, is co-tenancy, for example. Uh, if you're a retail property manager uh, and, and you're in a, a mall where JCPenney is closing, for example, uh, or another anchor, the landlord uh, is, in, is in a tenuous position. A lot of uh, properties finance with, with commercial mortgage-backed securities um, have, have a situation where if an anchor closes, a specialty servicer can be brought in. Uh, that you can you can you can further your client's interests as a property manager by eliminating those co-tenancy provisions uh, because they can be very costly. A, a, a tenant, uh, in many instances, can go from you know fixed minimum rent of of whatever the case may be to an alternative rent which is a percentage of sales and with social distancing sales are going to be down dramatically uh, similarly if you've got an office uh, an office tenant and you know their lease may be coming due and they need they need some short-term relief uh, if you can do a blend and extend you know extend to them uh, some short-term relief if they need it, if they establish uh, that it's required, and they've they've pursued all other available means of of securing the the funds that they need to fulfill their obligations, uh, then you're 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 gaining much more than you're losing, uh, because what you don't want to do is, in this type of environment, have to go out there and and market an empty space, you know, s spend good money after bad pursuing a, a debt from, from a tenant. Uh, if, if you can ascertain to your, your reasonable satisfaction that the, that the tenant is viable uh, in the medium and in the long term, uh, why not get them over that hump uh, and, and, you know, get them, get, you know, retain them rather than go and expending all those resources that you will have to in order to compete uh, for a new tenant, and, and it will be a competition with with an awful lot of landlords in in various asset classes, uh, indicating that that they will provide concessions in order to to sign new tenants. Always harder to find a new tenant than retain an existing one, right? Absolutely. Um, Randy, how would managers trade items of unequal value? If if by by sitting down. Uh, before the negotiations begin. Looking at the other side's interest, in a lot of cases, uh, what the, the cost to a property manager and his or her client 
uh, could be substantially less than the benefits you're conferring. Not all things are are created equal. Uh, so by way of example, it may be uh, may be very valuable to a landlord to have a more restrictive assignment clause. So for example, a uh, tenant is looking for an extension at a uh, at a relatively modest rate compared to what rents may have been six months ago before before COVID hit. Uh, the landlord may be agreeable to providing that type of concession, but won't want the profit, the, the tenant, to, to act as a, a landlord profiting from the, you know, the current economic malaise. So uh, they won't, you know, if the rent is 50 and then two years down the road, rent goes, you know, rent is 70. Uh, the landlord may say, you know, I'm willing to provide you with this benefit. I'm not interested in putting you in the property management or the landlording business where you're collecting that gap of 20. So they can insert a, a profit sharing provision uh, into the lease, ensuring that the tenant's not going to pick up their 20, which the landlord and, and their property manager may feel rightfully belongs uh, on the landlord side of the ledger. So that way, it, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, the current market may be at the 50 level, so it's not really costing. Uh, the landlord anything to do that. In fact, they're saving because they're not out there chasing a new tenant and incurring all those expenses that we, we spoke about. Um, but they're able to to pull it back and, and ensure that they're not they're not giving away that saving uh, to uh, to the tenant where they can cash in a couple of years down couple of years down the road where rents will probably have recovered. Uh, and, and could be substantially higher than they are today. So they're not really giving up much at all because the current market may be 50, and in fact they're saving, but they're pulling back something that could be invaluable to them. You don't want those situations uh, where the, the landlord has to pay a significant amount to buy out a lease. There was just uh, in the Penn campus owned by Vornado, a significant office and, and retail REIT in focused on New York City, they had to buy out it at, you know, many millions of dollars, a Kmart lease, Kmart office lease, uh, it was either at Pen 1 or Pen 2, right near Madison Square Garden, they had to pay many millions of dollars off of an old lease. It wasn't a sublease, but it's a kind of situation where, you know, a tenant uh, right now might say, I want it for as long as possible, as cheap as possible. But again, you can claw back uh, parts of that, for example, with a, a take-back provision. Okay, if you ever ask us for a sublease, we have the right to take the, the space back. So there's, you know, real estate doesn't have to be a zero-sum game. There's, uh, and, and property managers play to, at a very sophisticated level, so it's possible for them uh, to, to grant concessions when they're reasonable, ethical, legitimate, and in the tenant's interest, and not, not harmful to the landlord, but also uh, to further their own interest. And the tenant may say, you know what, at this juncture, I don't care. I want the extended lease at that rate for my own purposes. Um, and I can agree that I'm, I'm, I'm leveraging the current situation in order to get a good deal. And I, 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 I concur uh, that if we're two, three, four years down the road, I shouldn't be able to take advantage uh, of, of something that happened in, you know, in the spring of 2020 in order to cash in. And lastly, Randy, what is BATNA and how can it be applied by managers right now? 
BATNA is the best alternative to a negotiated agreement. So the only reason to negotiate uh, is to improve your circumstance. Uh, if you can't improve your circumstance with negotiation, and, and we spoke early on, we spoke about those three different criteria. Uh, and, and one of them is, you know, you want the other side to satisfy their interests. You also want to satisfy your interests. So BATNA, for example, would mean the landlord can enter negotiations with a, a tenant uh, you know, seeking some type of uh, amendment from, from the lease, uh, the landlord needs to know, if these negotiations don't bear fruit, if we can't arrive at an agreement, what am I going to do? So, uh, you know, in many instances, the landlord and the, the property manager will, you know, bring an attorney in, have the lease reviewed to determine, for example, if the force majeure provisions apply. Uh, force majeure, you know, means a, a force greater than. Uh, in, in many instances, the tenant will be saying, you know what, the force majeure relieves me of the obligation to pay rent. The landlord, uh, in many instances, will, you know, differ, will, will you know, have, have solicited a, an attorney's opinion, uh, which will, will differ from that uh, held by the tenant. So that's a, a BATNA. So the landlord knows going in, and they'll also have, in addition to BATNA, they'll know a minimum, you know, resolution. They'll have in their mind, basically, you know, be keeping a keeping an open mind in case another solution presents itself. But here's here's what I'm willing to do. Here's what I'm not willing to do. If if I can't achieve uh, this, you know, this basic level of result, um, then I'm going to serve a notice of default, and we're going to we're going to proceed to, you know, try to retake possession and enforce the provisions of the contract. But, bat, you know, in other words, always, um, always go in knowing what your baton is. And then the second and third uh, follow-up to that is try to improve your BATNA. Uh, number, and then number three, uh, try to worsen the other, uh, the other parts, party's BATNA. What I mean by that is, uh, if, if a property manager uh, representing their client uh, in a particular negotiation confronts a tenant who says, you know, I spoke to, you know, my attorney uh, tells me X, Y, and Z, um, and that because of the force majeure provision or impossibility or frustration of purpose or any one of those other provisions, I don't have to pay the rent, uh, the property manager can then, again, going back to objective criteria, pull out the cases and say, well, you know what, Here's we've also consulted with counsel, and here are the cases that we believe apply in this jurisdiction. So uh, we're going to try to work something out. We value your tenancy um, and the relationship, but uh, we believe that the rent continues to accrue, and we're basing that on objective criteria, and if need be, we, we're going to, you know, we we can rely on those criteria, but that having been said, let's let's try to work something out. So uh, that would that would be uh, in in many cases for a property manager and landlord, the BATNA would be the legal system. Thank you so much, Randy. This is really helpful information as managers go back to the drawing board, so to speak, on some of these leases. Please continue to visit iroam.org where you'll find our page dedicated to providing updates and resources to support real estate managers in making informed decisions during this time. That's irem.org.